Welcome to episode 9 of the Santander Everyday Inclusion Network podcast. Last week was a brilliant episode about social mobility and the next big breakthrough with Josh Lafrio Elliott. And this week is about Islamophobia. Now, this month is actually Islamophobia Awareness Month. So it's a bit of a no-brainer we did this week's episode on Islamophobia. And we have the fantastic Razwana Ahmed from the Ethnicity Network and hosted by your usual culprits, Tim Prendergast and myself, Hits and Adka. So here we go. Welcome in to the Everyday Inclusion podcast. We are up to episode number nine. My name is Tim and with me, as always, I say as always, although he missed one episode a couple of weeks back. <laughs> I no, did, skiving. <laughs> you did, you're right. Yeah, really good, thank you. Got a really important cool. conversation ahead today and it's a, a real pleasure to introduce to the Everyday Inclusion podcast, uh, Rizwana. Rizwana, hi, how are you? Hi, Tim. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Brilliant, thank you. Um, today we're sort of talking about Islamophobia, but um, what would be really great to start with is just a little bit about yourself, what part of the, the world you reside in currently and, and what part of the bank are you operating out of? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, firstly, thank you so much for both of you, Tim and, and Hits, for having me on today. It's been really exciting to to get this all put together. You Both of you are doing a, an amazing job. Um, Thanks, Laurie. So my name is Rizwana Ahmed. Um, I'm a team manager for business banking in the Glasgow head office. I've um, been working for Santander for just over 16 years now. I've been managing as a team manager for maybe just over 10 years. Um, and yeah, and aside from that, I'm the site champion for the Ethnicity at Work Network for the Glasgow Head Office. So I have been involved in many events to raise awareness around inclusion and diversity as well. So, yeah. Brilliant. And um, hi, Rizwana. So we, we obviously know each other and go go quite far back because we're both obviously part of the Ethnicity Network yeah. and you do the same as what I do in Glasgow as what I do in, in Milton Keynes. So uh, great to have you on. Uh, this is a an episode we really wanted to uh, bring to light and talk about for quite a while. And we thought this would be great because, well, we've just found it's uh, Islamophobia Awareness Month this month. So a uh, great time to do this episode. Uh, but uh, first of all, I think was one of the best first question is for the people out there who may not know what is Islam and what is Islamophobia? Yeah, sure. Uh, more than happy to talk through that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Islam itself um, is part of the Abrahamic faith. Um, the Quran, which is a holy book for Muslims, refers to other religions such as the Christian faith and the Jewish faith as well. Uh, and it refers to them as the people of the book. Now, all three faiths do have quite a, quite a lot of commonalities between them. Um, for example, they all believe in one God. Um, they believe that they receive guidance and holy scriptures from God. And um, they believe that all prophets... Um, do come from the lineage of Abraham as the lineage of prophethood. Um, they believe obviously all in the same traditions of the thread of prophets that follow, for example, Adam, David, Moses, and, and so forth. Um, and they also believe in the afterlife and the, the, the day of judgment as well. So these are just some of the common factors really um, that the three religions have in common. Now, Islam itself um does mean to submit so the root word of it comes from peace um, which is finding peace through submission for example the submission of one god um, so i mean the prophet muhammad himself did say that the best of you 
are those that have good manners, morals and values. So moving on to the word Islamophobia, and we have a look at that word and we'll have a look at that definition in a minute. It doesn't quite match the narrative of what being Muslim actually means. Um, so Islamophobia itself, the definition that I have uh, in front of me, which I'll go over with you, doesn't quite fit in obviously with the way of Islam or the way of living your life as, as a Muslim. So the definition itself is that it's an exaggerated, irrational fear, hatred and hostility towards Islam and Muslims. And it's preserved by ne negative stereotypes, which results in bias and discrimination of Muslims from all walks of life, whether it's civic, social or the political life. Um, so, yeah, that, that's basically the overview of Islam and where the word Islamophobia uh, is, de is defined from. Thanks for that. Um, and I mean, in terms of we bring it to a personal experience, is this something that you know you've experienced in 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 life? So um, I have to say, I'm probably quite um, lucky enough not to um, experience anything negative as such. I mean, I'm, I'm born and brought up in Glasgow. I've been, lived in Scotland all my life. Uh, I'm a Muslim myself, and I wear the hijab, the headscarf, and. Um, Nothing negative as such has ever happened or um, nothing, I've not had any experiences of, of such. But what I have experienced though, and this was shortly after 9-11, uh, which was I think what back in 2001. So I was probably around about, um, without disclosing my age, um, probably around about 18 or 19 years <laughs> old back, back then. Um, and I just remember when it happened and you know the shock of watching everything happening on TV. And I just remember the first thing that my... Um, my, my, my father actually said to me was right so girls as me and my two sisters that also wear the head, headscarf um you need to be careful when you're out and about now because this is going to have a negative impact on muslims that have nothing to do with this and i remember that being kind of etched in my brain um but i have to say like i said before touch wood luckily i've not had any negative experiences i have had a positive experience which was actually really nice um so this was sitting on the bus um going home one day and um, I kind of experienced, obviously, naturally, I think this is probably, I can probably speak for quite a lot of Muslims, um, or what happened shortly after 9-11, when you were sitting on public transport, people would um, not want to sit next to you, which was kind of like an obvious thing that was happening. No one was saying anything as such, but it was quite an obvious kind of choice that people were making. But this um, one lovely, lovely lady um, came and sat next to me and she was holding a bunch of flowers um, and she sat next to me and just had the most amazing conversation with me on that bus journey and the one thing that stuck with me the one thing that I took from that conversation she had with me was when she said this one sentence and it just made, made me feel so at ease and she was saying that you are you and you represent yourself and don't let what's happened around the world affect you or don't let people let don't let people make you feel as if you're a part of that um and that was just so lovely to hear from her and she was so friendly and she, she kind of put my mind at ease and said you know not everybody is the same so we cannot group people together just because of someone else's actions so yeah a lovely experience in that sense nice that's nice so something so you've not actually you know, you've not really suffered uh, as as I know some other people have. So you've been quite lucky uh, yourself. But that's a really nice story. And um, 
I do think it boils down to education as well. Now, I know a lot about all the religions. But, I mean, that's basically because I'm from Leicester. Leicester's really multicultural. So I remember it was mandatory to, to have RE or religious studies or religious education as one of our subjects at, uh, at, at secondary school, uh, which um, has helped me realise um, and appreciate other religions. Now, I do know in other parts of the country where it's not as multicultural, um, they don't have RE at all. And I, I've spoken to people as well. And when I said that uh, I'm a Hindu and I speak Gujarati and, and they said, oh, oh, your mother tongue's Gujarati. What on earth is Gujarati? And then you sort of give, you, you sort of try and educate people. Um, and, and I think that is a big, big thing to do with it. I mean, it's all about education. And and I just personally think, I mean, I have a lot of Muslim friends myself and and I think it's, as you mentioned, 9-11 and things externally that have a massive impact on it, on Islamophobia. And, and I know a lot about Islam because I, I learned about it sort of in school. Um, but I just think it's unfortunate because these, these terrorists who, who perform these sort of acts of violence... They just happened to choose, they needed to choose a religion. They decided to choose Islam. I mean, they could have chosen Hinduism, Sikhism, Christianity, but unfortunately they chose Islam. And and from what I've learned about Islam and, and from what my friends tell me, Islam has nothing to do with that sort of, that, those sort of actions whatsoever. It's all about peace and love. Um, so yeah, it's crazy. And And I think education is key. Uh, so it's good to really chat openly about these things. But um, Roswana, what, what do you think we can do to stop it, to stop Islamophobia? Um, well, it's a difficult one to answer because changing people's mindset um, is, is, is a big ask. It's a huge ask. And I suppose when people are stuck in their own ways and their own mindsets, it's difficult to do. So um, I do feel things like the mainstream media have a huge part to play. Uh, and it does contribute towards the negative stereotyping that Muslims get. Um, and something that you said yourself there, Hittal, is that you know you know a lot about Islam because of um, the, the company you've kept and how you've been educated and what you've been taught at school with religious, religious education. And the fear here is that, like you said, there's so many people that maybe don't have that education or have not had interaction with people of other religions and faiths. So... I think education is the best part to um, to kind of tackle this. Can we stop it altogether? Probably not. But I'll go back to maybe something um, one of our ex-co members, Manrup, said um, in the Black Lives Matter conversation we had a couple of months back. Um, and it really hit home. And I think it's something that applies to all forms of discussions that we need to have. And what he said was, you know, we need to start having conversations that make us feel uncomfortable and so we need to start having conversations that people would not normally have or maybe feel a little bit reluctant to have so I think that's really important to to educate people and and make people feel comfortable to be able to ask questions and have open dialogue and um, now I know there's a fine line between criticism of religion and hate speech and I think that's what we need to learn to differentiate between the two I think that's really really important you know, sharing opinions, having healthy debates, it's really important. And I know Santander have done a huge piece of work in the background as well with regards to unconscious bias. And I think that's where 
certainly you know pieces like that modules like that can definitely help yeah and i mean just going forward and in the immediate future around the education piece around having the conversation are you aware of sort of any further plans to um, expand on this from a san uk perspective um, not that I'm aware of myself, but I know um, with certainly with the Black Lives Matter um, piece, Man Rip has got like a plan of action in place, which I think is working really well. And I think that could be applied to all the networks we have within Santander and in cases like this where we're trying to raise awareness around unconscious bias and Islamophobia um, and educating everyone around different backgrounds and religions. And the fact that we have such a vast amount of different you know, diverse um, colleagues that actually work for Santander, which I think is amazing. So that inclusion is really important. Yeah. I mean, and you've gone a big way towards answering the next question, which uh, both both just then and, and in your experience, you referred to, you know, that uh, person sitting next to you on the bus saying, you know, you are you and you represent you, you know, it's, it's just talks to the everyday inclusion sort of notion that we're striving for within this organisation. Um so last one from me is just around, you know, how does having this conversation, you know, help us with the evolution of the of everyday inclusion within Santander? Yeah, I think it does relate to everyday inclusion because from a, a team manager's point of view, I suppose I can speak on a personal term where um, I wear the headscarf and I think, I have managed people in the past that probably don't know much about Islam or being Muslim and what my faith actually means to me. And every year, um, like for example, when Ramadan comes along, um, I'll educate my team and tell them, by the way, guys, just to let you know, um, I'll be fasting for around about, you know, 29, 30 days. So don't worry, you know, be yourselves. You don't have to, you know, hide your lunch from me or anything. You can still... um, (laughs) You know, eat in front of me, don't worry, but it's just to let you know I'll be fasting and this is what faith means to me and this is why I fast. Um, and yes, of course, every year it's probably the same conversation I have um, because maybe my team dynamics have changed or not just that. I mean, I think not everybody would maybe even remember why I, I fast because a year goes by and they probably want to know a little bit more or, or be reminded. Um, and do I take that to heart? Of course I don't. I know some people might be like, oh my God, I can't believe you have to educate the same thing again and again. Do you not get tired of that? And I don't. And it's because I actually see that as a form of um, worship itself, to be honest with you, because I'm so, you know, I'm quite proud of my faith and the strong connection I have, the spirituality I have that I don't mind sharing that. So everyday inclusion is so important because not only do I try and include myself in um educating others but I think it's just so eye-opening for others to actually learn from you as well Um, the other thing as well I suppose is that men and women don't actually experience Islamophobia in the same way Um, and I can say that because I'm someone that wears a hijab the the headscarf and um, I'm probably more visually kind of like there if if that makes more sense to be kind of pointed out as someone that has a faith or a religion and again when I get asked questions about why do you wear the headscarf and when do you not wear it when did you start wearing it and questions around that and absolutely you know I I love it and I'm I'm usually on top form when I get asked questions like that because (laughs) I don't take it personally I don't take it like oh my god why are you asking me it's more so like well do you know what I really like the fact that you took interest and you're not Mm -hmm. assuming and you're actually wanting to know more about it 
Um, so yeah, everyday inclusion is really important for me from a personal point of view for those reasons. Um, and it is my way of making sure that I fit in, and I say the word fit in in a loose manner because I shouldn't have to fit in, but I suppose maybe in Glasgow or Scotland in comparison to like what you were saying, Hittle and Leicester, maybe the Asian community is more highly populated than it is in Glasgow. Um, there's more of a reason for me to repeat that kind of awareness as such. Yeah, definitely. And um, brilliant. Thank you very much for that as well. And that was, that was fantastic. A great insight as well. And I was just going to say, actually, you mentioned um, fasting, Ramadan and, and the Eid. Yeah. Um, we've obviously had the lockdown uh, during during Eid. How, how did you? Because I know my friends who celebrate, uh, they have a massive celebration with loads of family coming over, and they eat the best food and have the best time. And how did you guys do it? How did you and your family do it? Oh, it uh, this was year? really really quiet. Oh, it was really odd and very quiet. Yes. <laughs> so you can probably imagine my mum, who absolutely loves cooking, and when she cooks, yeah. she cooks for an army right so yeah, we yeah. had to really kind of hone it in and tell her nope nope it's just gonna be us now no one's coming over and yeah I think it was very odd but we made it the best that we could obviously when it came to Eid and the celebration we had family on a video call and yeah it, it was it was still a lovely lovely day albeit very different but worth the sacrifice of meeting family for the sake of keeping everyone safe so yeah yeah yeah, definitely. And I'm sure when things ease, I'm sure the families can, will be able to then get together because uh, they've got the new introduction. The have quite a bit, obviously, for, for Christmas, etc. Yeah. So I'm sure uh, you'll be getting together. It was the same for Diwali this year as well. Really quiet compared to normal, but looking forward to getting, getting in touch and, and seeing family once things calm down a bit. But um, Razwana, thank you very much that... I've learned a lot. I'm sure everyone listening has learned so much. There are um, things that, I mean, if you, if you sort of have, you know, if you have any issues or, or you want to talk to, to someone or if you've experienced, um, you know, Islamophobia yourself or, or you've had any personal experiences um, or you need to talk to anyone, you've got the Ethnicity Network, uh, there's the Employee Assistance Programme, which is available 24-7. You've got the Wellbeing Hub, and if you are subject to any racism at work, uh, regardless of what religion you are, uh, you've got sort of, you know, you, you've got the line, your line managers there. If you're not comfortable with your line manager, there's the whistleblowing line. Uh, and there's so much, so much there. But if you uh, log into Mio, uh, there's loads of stuff, uh, educational resources uh, at the Ethnicity at Work Network page. Uh, other than that, was there anything else, Tim? You have covered everything splendidly there, Hits. And Raswana, thank you so much for your time and your insights. It's been yeah, lovely chat. No problem. Brilliant, thank Rizwana. you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Thank Take you. Care. Bye now. Thanks a lot. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Wow. What a great episode again, Tim. Yeah, awesome. What great insights from Raswana. So articulate as well. I think we might have a a future host on our hands here. I know, definitely. Definitely. She's really good, though. Really, really good. Great person as well. Uh, I've known her for a while now, obviously, at the Ethnicity Network. But as Rosanna mentioned, and we were talking about it, it all boils down, and it's all about education in the end. Uh, it's about sharing opinions. And, and as she mentioned, having these uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I, 
I really like that, how she framed that, that story at the end around when someone comes up and asks her about herself or religion. Um, she takes that as an opportunity. You know, that's coming from a place of curiosity. And it's really, really important to open up that conversation. And I really like the story on the on the bus as well. You know, you are yourself and you represent yourself. And that's what we're all about, I think, in terms of everyday inclusion. So. What a fantastic guest. What a fantastic episode. Thank you so much, Rizwana. We look forward to you again, everyone, next week. Absolutely. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Thanks a lot. See you, everyone. Bye.